You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates. It is Saturday, August 1st, 2020. But realtors don't sleep on weekends, nor do I want to when we're having so much fun here talking about our favorite subject, that is Toronto Real Estate. We are number one in iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts for that topic. And like every other podcast we do, we have some fantastic content for you today. Specifically, the Toronto Real Estate Board has released their Q2 condo report. The condo report. And we're going to go through what are some of the ups and the downs of Toronto and GTA condos. I hope you're ready for it. We've been tracking condos for some time, but we're not going to stop there because we're going to jump into what are what is happening in the GTA housing market in general. And they highlight Markham specifically, but are they continuing to thrive despite COVID-19's turmoil? Or are we kind of maybe should be paying attention to some other signs? And we're going to get into all of that. And what announcements have been made for reopenings? Of course, in the last 48 hours, there's been a ton of stuff announced. And if you missed any of it, don't worry. We got you covered. And to start it all off, to get the ball rolling, as it were, Cineplex is going to be opening 25 theaters in Ontario on Friday. So as of yesterday, so if you want to go take a movie, a little trip. Now, unfortunately for you, it's not going to be just two or three people in in the room, which would have been the case had they not expanded and allowed them to have further capacity. But now you can have up to 50 purple purple. 50 purple people per screening room, which is great. And I think what you're going to start to see now, if I were to try and, you know, me, I like my crystal balls, is you're going to start to see a lot of these people have been running around with deliveries, these postmen, you know, dropping off the packages saying, you know what the hell with this? I got to get back in. I got to get into my dream job. You know, I got to get into acting. I got to get into comedy. (laughs) God knows I can't do that. But really, if your delivery is awesome, is awesome because if you had bad delivery, then it wouldn't work out. There you go. There's, see, see how I killed the punchline? This is why I'm not in comedy. <laughs> really, my only experience with theater was a performance, I think, in like high school. It was called Puns. It was a play on words. <laughs> Got it. Nailed that one. All right. Let's jump into it, guys. We're going to talk about a release that was put out from Tereb, the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board. Get rid of the word regional. It doesn't sound so good when you say T-R-R-E-B. I don't like that. Ugh, still bothers me. But we're looking at the stats for condominium apartments. So let's see what they say. They are down in sales 50.8% in Q2. Now, does that come as any surprise? Like everybody has been down in Q2. We're talking April, May, June. <laughs> really, the, the closures all happened mid-March. So of course, sales are going to be down. But what's more interesting to me is how it links to new listings. Because if we see it lining up new listings coming online at the same rate, but what we see is we actually see that they're down 21.6%. So there's a spread in there, guys. There is a spread. We have sales, pretty much they've dropped, but we don't have the same lineup in the new listing. So we need to be paying attention and we've kind of been monitoring this for the last little bit. And what it's meaning is an increase in the months of supply and the amount of inventory of condos. And I think that that trend will continue into the next couple months. And this is what they're tracking too. This is what the president of TREB, Lisa Patel, says, the condominium apartment market experienced a dip in sales and new listings in the second quarter as many potential buyers moved to the sidelines as a result of public health measures taken to combat COVID-19. With the overall housing market trending Toward recovery in June, condo apartment sales will likely improve in the third quarter. Now, that's fine. 
Of course, they're going to continue to improve. It's very easy to improve when you had a 50% drop from last year. But the improving in the number of sales doesn't fix the issue. The issue is a rising months of inventory, meaning that we have new listings coming on quicker than sales. So sales will go up, but they won't outpace, in my opinion, low the number of new listings, which will in turn lower prices. But we're going to track that in as early as next week. We're going to have the stats come out from Treb, the Treb stats. You know, my favorite time of the month. <laughs> You guys know I love Treb stats. I love me some stats. We can dive into what that says. And I also love to forecast ahead and I give my predictions, but it's always either I can prove myself an idiot or prove myself a genius depending on how I did. I, that, maybe that's what it is. Kind of like when you submit the test and you think you got 100% and then you get it back and you realize, you know what? You can get more than 100%. How did he do that? I saw a student graduated high school with 100%. That's, come on, guys. Maybe this we need, a, we need to fix our school system. <laughs> Nobody should feel that confident about themselves. <laughs> but despite market conditions becoming more balanced in Q2, the average selling price for condo apartments was up 5.1%. Woohoo! That sounds great, right? 5.5% up? No problem. Yeah, until you look at the double-digit increases we saw at the beginning of 2020. So it's all perspective. It is all perspective. You just read this article, you think, oh, condos are doing great. Really? Like, think of the things I just read. You think, you know what? Condos are doing pretty good. They're going to recover. Sales are going to go up. No problem. You know what? I might scoop myself up a condo because I think there might be some deals right now. I think people are underestimating. Guys, they were double-digit growth and that month of inventory is rising. They do mention that in this article, but if you don't understand how this all works, you might buy into a falling knife here. It will be important to watch the relationship. This is actually coming from the chief market analyst from Treb. It will be important to watch the relationship between condominium apartment sales and new listings as we move through the second half of 2020. I agree. I agree. That's what we need to be watching. If economic recovery is sustained, the demand for condo apartments will improve. However, the prospect of stricter regulations on short-term rentals and softer rental market conditions could fuel increased listings of investor-held units. If we see more balanced market conditions, which we are, and some people have called for buyer's market, which I think is a stretch, but maybe we're going in that direction, Condo price growth could be more moderate compared to low-rise home types. Let's not say the price is going to go down now. Let's just say they're going to be moderate growth. We got to be really careful, guys, going into the fall. Seasonally, you're going to have prices come down as well. If you're looking to just purchase a condo unit, take your time. Take your time. Give it a couple months. Let's make sure that we've had the things like CERB, which we're going to talk about in a minute. These things need to roll out. Get rid of them. Mortgage deferrals. CERB. Evict those nasty tenants that aren't paying their rent. I love you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> So we're going to dive into this idea of the rental space too. We're going to talk about that because they're highlighting that as a big issue, which we have as well. When I look briefly at the condo apartment stats, of course, we had a 5% on average, but the only area that's seen a decline from the numbers I'm seeing here is Durham region and condos. Do people buy condos in Durham? I guess so. At least not so much anymore, I guess. But when we look at Toronto stories, they publish the same info and I love having it from a different perspective because what I really, what I read to you was the press release. But beyond the press release, we also get some comments, right? Like the Jason Mercer, the chief market analyst from Treb, he commented again with, with the Toronto Stories article, accelerating growth and rental listings were at the root of this trend, but the COVID-19 related drop in rental transactions has a marked impact as well. Increased choice led to more negotiating powers for renters, resulting in year over year declines in average rents in the second quarter of 2020. There's a reason that I keep saying, even if you don't have a rental unit, if you're not in the rental market, you still need to pay attention to this because this is impacting your investment, even if it's just a home you live in and in a little space downtown Toronto. 
that you are still impacted. We need to know what's going on in the rental space because these short terms are converting to long terms. The long terms are therefore converting into sales and the sales are putting downward pressure on price through an increasing months of inventory. I know I talk so fast, but sometimes, you know what? You got to talk faster than you can think. <laughs> How am I going to backtrack if I don't talk too quick? All right. Rentals. So let's look at the rentals. We're going to look at rentals for condos. We're going to look at rentals for townhomes and we're going to see if there's any difference. You ready? Okay. All bedroom types for condominiums. We're talking bachelors, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, three bedrooms. Okay. Listings are up 42%, but they are leased. In other words, sales or closes are down 24.8%. So there's a disconnect. We've got a, a rapid increase in listings and a decrease in, so there's a huge spread there. In fact, that's a 60. If you, if you Factor in both, it's a 60% change like between the two. Now, average rent is down 9.1% for bachelors, significant implications of everything going on. So the low end, which is why these areas I think are going to get picked up first. They're the ones, it's funny because the lowest end has been hurt first, but a lot of people will say, you know what, but that's where people are going to be able to afford. So bachelor is going to be a place you can actually buy back into the market or rent back into the market. Whereas the others, the one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedrooms, they're flowing between five to 5.6% drops. Still price drops, but not as significant as the bachelor's. And then when we look at townhomes, you'd think, okay, well, maybe it's just rentals in general. Like maybe everybody's hurt. Well, a little bit, but not really because not 42% increase in listings like condos. They're actually only up 15%, significantly lower. And it's not like we were down 25% in the number of leases for condos. It's only down 14.2%. So when you look at rent rates, as it relates to townhomes, they're actually pretty flat. Like they're not coming down 9 five to five and a half percent they're down they're floating anywhere from minus one to up 2.6 depending on what type of you have and obviously that's a one two or three bedroom townhome so townhomes have not been as impacted as the condos and so to say you know what i had a i had an airbnb townhome or i can't find a tenant and therefore i'm going to flip it over to the long-term rental because the short terms aren't or whatever the, the jumps from each area to each area in the townhomes aren't happening as often. It's the condos that are seeing this flow of people trying to find a space where they can make profit, where they can make money, or at least maintain the cost that they're paying to have that property. And then this morning, as I'm putting this together, and before I move on to the next topic, thank you, Brian Jordan, for your comment on YouTube. I love it. He pasted the minutes that came from a city council, the Toronto council meeting, a couple days ago, they made some pretty significant announcements and they were going to lobby the Ontario government about evictions. But there were some other points in there that got over overshadowed by that news. And he pointed it out here. This is what he said. Hi, Bradley. Thanks for providing your insight and content. The city of Toronto has a motion to lease former Airbnb suites. What are your thoughts and insights? Below are excerpts from the email that I received from the city of Toronto today. So here it is. Listen to this, guys. I, I didn't catch this. I, this, is, this is new info to me, and so thank you for sending it over. I think this is tremendous value for us. Council adopted a motion for the city to explore opportunities to generate longer-term affordable rental housing options through a strategy of the city leasing vacant, short-term rental units currently offered through Airbnb and other rental platforms. So what they're saying 
without saying it, is that we know that in the long term, rentals is going to become a housing issue. So even though you think, oh, well, you know what, like the months of inventory is going up, we got options as a renter, it's great compared to what we've seen. I mean, it's still kind of bad. But realistically, long term, it, they expect it's going to get hard again for the renter. And so they're making plans as much as possible to try and address that. And they're seeing all these Airbnb vacant units saying, you know what, maybe we can convert those to long term. Well, it continues, the city and nonprofit housing partners would work together in pursuing the strategy. Like many other cities, Toronto has seen an increase in the number of former short-term rental apartments becoming available during the pandemic. Well, here's my thoughts, because this is what this is the question with my thoughts. This is the first time I'm reading it, and here's my initial thoughts. My question is this: how can the city do this if the units are privately owned? Like it's not like the city owns Airbnb units and therefore they can just convert them. That would be far easier. And the things that the government does own and, and is trying to switch over, we see is very slow and it's not productive anyway. So they'll simply, the way they got to do this, the only way I can think of, unless I'm missing something, is they would need to incentivize that these vacant units or short-term rentals, because if the short-term rentals is vacant, it's now a vacancy, that they would need to convert Right? So you need to incentivize them to switch, which unfortunately means more government intervention, which of course comes with its own problems. And it, it points to me to either a vacancy tax like we saw in Vancouver or applying the short-term plan. They, they're planning on doing short-term Airbnbs and allowing those. We've been That's been an ongoing issue that hasn't really been resolved. And when that happens, they're going to charge people to have short-term rentals. That's the ultimate plan is they're going to do it anyways. Let's charge them for it, at least have a handle on it. Some condo buildings are allowing Airbnbs, but the city is not. Even the province is doing it. But we need to get a handle on that. And so you can start to tax these people and, and you know have a license to do that. So the funny thing is, is the reason that people are scared of having these units, that small landlords don't want to do it, is because the city has dipped their dirty up feet in the long-term rental market too much and it's pushed people outside of that kiddie pool They're like i don't want to be in there it's gross man look at that wash your feet right so either we need to change the water and we need to fix our long-term rental market but of course that's too easy <laughs> actually that, that's never going to happen so more likely they're going to dirty up the short-term rental market too and the vacancy market because it's this idea that like if your kiddie pools if the feet in that pool are worse than the feet in this pool then this one looks a little bit cleaner yeah, it might have a baby peeing in it, but I don't know if I want to go in that one. There's a hippo over there. It's this idea of this dirty shirt theory, and I love it. And, and it, we talk about it in currency all the time. And why is the U.S. dollar the, the reserve currency? And I know I'm stepping outside of real estate here, but as an investor, I love this stuff too. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in how this works. And it's like, yeah, why do we accept the U.S. dollar? I mean, there's a reason gold and silver climb, and people don't trust the dollar. But the reason that I believe the currency, unless something better comes up, and I don't think it's in Bitcoin, but I mean, everyone else is allowed to have their opinion on that, is this idea of the dirty shirt theory. So you got a couple dirty shirts, right? And you need to figure out, you know what? I, there's no clean shirts in the hamper. All of these currencies are crap. They're all reserve currencies that are running debt and it's not a good system. So I'm just going to grab the one that's cleanest. And although everything is dirty, the least dirty shirt wins. In this case, it's the US dollar. And as we look at the long-term rental market and the short-term rental market, the least dirty shirt right now is the short-term rental market. The long-term rental market is filthy and the selling a condo right now is also kind of filthy. <laughs> so we got to either make it more dirty on the other stuff 
or we need to fix the problem. But of course, nobody wants to do that. And it's a very difficult thing to do in general. I hope you guys are learning a little bit of stuff there. They, he's got another comment here that came from the neighborhoods. They want to do other stuff, right? They like want garden suites and coach houses, and they want to address the supply issue. And that's what needs to happen on the selling side. So lots of good stuff. Thank you, Brian, for your comment. I really appreciate it. This week, of course, before I move on to looking outside into the GTA, stats are coming out, guys, and we're going to be paying attention if there are price declines in the condo. I would not be surprised if there is. I believe there is a real chance, at least around zero, less than five, which is what we just saw, but I believe it's, it could hit less than zero. We could see negative pricing in the condo space month over month. Year over year, maybe. Year over year, month over month, definitely. Year over year, maybe, okay? So, so if you guys want my full predictions on what I think price are going to do in August and September, make sure you go ahead and check that out. And that was posted a few days back. And I stand by those thoughts because I think that we need to be paying attention as investors going into the next couple months. <laughs> All right. Rewind. Let's move on. Enough about this depreciating, I mean, depressing conversation about condos. And let's start talking about what's going on in the outskirt communities. You guys will remember last month there was an article came out of Oakville talking about the Dechash market and it was the golden child, you know, that peppy, peppy little Oakville child that gets 100% in every class. <laughs> well, this month the shine is on a little place called Markham. And so what I want to do is I want to look at what they're saying Markham is doing. They're the kind of highlight as we end and round out June. And so I want to see, is it actually clear for growth? Like, are we actually, like, is the market amazing? despite COVID, let's look at it. Because I don't think it's as amazing as they're selling it in this article, at least the headline does, because it says this, Markham housing market continues to thrive despite COVID-19 turmoil. That's the headline. Sounds like uh, open skies to me. Well, let's read it. So they're talking about obviously stage three, initial effects of the pandemic have started to subside, residents back to work, economy is restarting, and in turn, the housing market is starting to pick up again, following months of temporary setbacks due to COVID. And then they jump into Markham, where they say it is gaining momentum at a surprising rate. When we look at the numbers, home prices have surged year over year, 22.5%, according to Treb. According to Rebax, one of the key drivers for this is, of course, a shrinking housing inventory that spans since August of last year. Well, okay, so we've got a supply issue in Markham, which explains this price. And since August of last year, which we have not hit yet, those numbers could turn quite quickly because we saw that they started applying in August last year. Hopefully that makes sense because as we start to compare with this dropping of prices, the numbers year over year don't look so glamorous. So don't expect to see continued 22% growth, but of course, still the golden child of June. But this has since started to reverse with supply now beginning to grow. Problem number one. <laughs> You're the golden child, but we've got supply starting to increase, which is a concern if you want double-digit, double-digit price growth. In June, there was 790 listings, more than 400 homes sold. While in the onset of the virus, they plummeted 50% year-over-year in sales, but since we rebounded 35% in June, which is a story very consistent with what we've seen across the GTA. But here's problem number two. Okay, problem number one, which you just saw, is that we've got supply coming online. Problem number two is the rental market. Rentals are now heading in the opposite direction with average rent in Markham falling at an annualized rate of seven and a half percent. So we have a significant drop in rents happening in the GTA as well. I know it's happening in the downtown core, but when we have markets in the outskirt communities, like I know I've heard from last month, like Brampton, for example, or Peel, those markets, they're doing pretty good. Like they've actually had increases in rent rates. There, there's not many doing it, but they've done it. They've pulled it off. 
It's probably because there's a lot of basement apartments. Whereas in Markham, we're actually seeing there's a lot, they're actually having a seven and a half percent drop. That's worse. That's almost as bad as the 9% drop we've seen, which is the worst aspect of rent drops in the one or in the bachelor units in condos in Toronto. So it's not that great. <laughs> However, Remax says the experts are forecasting this will change in the coming months as people return to the workforce, of course. As things reopen, travel continues, people go back to work, rentals, people can afford to get rentals, and they stop taking their CERB and paying down their debts, but instead they go out and spend more money on the rent they can't afford anyways. That's going to boost the rental market. And so what that tells me is even in the most glamorous city of Markham, rentals have taken a hit outside the city too. So we have to be paying attention to rentals. The number of housing starts as well in Markham has failed to keep up with the growing population. So this is going to put more pressure, of course, on prices to go up. And they say this is why housing prices are accelerating faster than the rate of recovery across other municipal markets. Supply is the culprit for price inflation here in the GTA. And yet, what do we do? We bring interest rates down. We incentivize. We make it easier for people to buy properties. And we're really hurting ourselves. we got to be paying attention to the supply side, which I know is more difficult. It is harder to do, but that is what's going to save the day. And I don't want rapid, rapid price increases because it leads to knee-jerk reactions like the one we saw during COVID where people are freaking out. Condos overshot. They overshot. you got to bring them back to reality and you pick it up from there. But why do we need that volatility? Why not have stable, sturdy growth in our market? But who am I to complain? I'm making money on my investments. All right, moving on. Uh, so we are obviously relying on reopenings to keep the wheels turning. This price growth, in my opinion, will continue into 2021 if supply tightens further. So seasonally in the next few months, we have opportunities to purchase, of course, and prices will come down probably in most segments month over month, but year over year, they're going to stay pretty, pretty well high. It's going to be interesting because we had a really solid 2019 last year, but prices are going to be sturdy. They're going to be stable. They're not increasing as fast, but they're going to be increasing. However, this is all due to supply, right? And so the wheels are going to keep turning that way. But let's, before we get into the reopening, because the reopening, I think, is these are the things that are giving the optimism and the growth and the employment. Everything's coming back. But there's some noteworthy things I want to point out before that. As an investor, I want to know, what is the economy doing? Well, they just released in the United States, their economy posts the worst drop on record as they're looking at April through to June, which is Q2. It dropped 32.9%. And this, they say, they called it a cliff, of course. The second quarter drop was nearly four times worse than the peak of the financial crisis when the economy contracted at an annual rate of 8.4%. They are obviously slammed. So so my thinking is this. Obviously, jobs are starting to come back. That's, that's the idea. They're hoping that they're going to come back as they reopen in the States. That's probably why they're so pressed to reopen. Plus, people are a little crazy down there. But as jobs come back, we've got to snatch them up, guys. Same with us here. You never know if you'll love it. You could love that job. Like I got a job as a theater lighting technician once. It was spot on. <laughs> but we have problems here locally as well too. Toronto Food Bank sees they say clients triple amid pandemic. Now I read the report and that's such a that's such a cheesy way of saying it because listen to what actually happened. They released it from the Daily Bread Food Bank released estimates that 6,100 new clients began using the organization's member food banks in June compared to roughly 2,000 in February. So it tripled in the number of new people because if you look at the actual numbers, it's about 20,000, which is up 15,000 from last year. So not really triple, but triple in the number of people signing up for it, if that makes sense. But still, not a good thing, right? Not a good thing. We don't want people going and having to use food banks. And then we have the city that, in a knee-jerk reaction to COVID, said, don't come back. Stay working from home as long as you can. And now they're like, oh, come back, come back. Well, 
RBC is listening to your past news and they're following Scotia and TD and telling staff to work from home until 2021. They say this, although a very small number of GTA employers who are currently working from home may return to RBC premises starting in mid to late September, most will remain at home until 2021. The tech companies, the banks, they don't want to come back. Financial institutions, they don't want to come back, nor do they need to put their, I mean, they're paying for the rent and obviously that's a whole issue on the commercial side too, but they're not going to pose, they're not going to create that risk. And if they're being productive, which I believe people are productive at home, that's my opinion, then what do we got to bring them back to work for? <laughs> and eventually they will bring them back to work. That's also something I think will happen. But for the time being, it's not worth the liability or the risk for these businesses to do that. And and if they are sending them back, then think of what kind of backlash that would look at as you're the one bank that's sending all your employees back to work. And so what announcements have been made for the reopenings here in Ontario? We're going to breeze through this. Of course, CERB is ending. If you missed the news, they say that CERB, this, the, the CERB program has used $80 billion and they're saying it's going to wrap up this fall. They penned that date for September 26th is the, la- the end of the last period you're going to get money. So can you say October is going to be a challenge? Affordability is going to get harder and therefore prices will come down, which I already have said. And I think, yes. I think prices will come down, and I think most people agree on that. According to the government website, Ottawa transferred $62.75 billion to 8.46 million unique applicants as of July 26. We got your money, you got your bank, time to get back to work. Looks like we need to go to work after all, and stop trying to purposefully get fired to be able to collect SERP. Like a friend of mine got sacked as a set designer for not producing anything. He didn't make a scene. <laughs> Didn't make a scene. I'm going home. All right. That's fine. Thank you. (laughs) And then they say this feds extend the rent relief program for businesses, which you've probably heard obviously didn't take too well early on the rent assistance program. You need to prove the businesses that you've lost 70% of your decline in sales in July and August, but we'll need, and like realistically people hopefully are recovering from that. So hopefully the use goes down, but that program will still be available and extended into August rent. And as of July, small businesses rent support program dolled up 613 million in financial aid to 63,000 tenants. Obviously not as much as they wanted, but still pretty good. And of course, the last piece of big news we need to be paying attention to is schools. We knew schools are going to be open and now an official release has been made on the government of Ontario website. They say this, the Ontario government is announcing the safe reopening of schools for in-class instruction beginning this September. The government has unveiled a plan that prioritizes the health and safety of students and staff and provides school boards with unprecedented resource and flexibility while accommodating regional differences and trends of key public health indicators. They're tracking it, but they're saying that there is going to be the details of the safe restart of 2020 and 2021 school year were provided today, which was on Thursday. So we're going back to school. Those kids are going to school. You're able to go back to work, which you don't need to now because the banks aren't going back to work anyways. They're telling you to work from home. And I know times are hard. You know, people are tight for money. I can see the headlines too. Like just, just imagine it. Cineplex is open. It's the first weekend. We come over the weekend and you look, you open up the Toronto Star on your, on your phone and it says this, man breaks into the theater last night during the movie. He stole the spotlight. <laughs> But hold in there, guys. We are reopening. Things are going great. Yes, we have some time. We have some buying opportunities ahead of us coming into the next few months. But we're going to continue to track it here on Toronto's number one real estate podcast. Hopefully, you guys are getting value. Leave us a thumbs up. Leave us a subscribe. Leave us a comment. If you have anything you want us to discuss, any questions, I'm happy to share my insight for whatever it's worth. And I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful weekend. Take care and keep it real.